Good morning. My wife is here, and uh, everything good about Stephen, he got from her. So Debbie, stand up back there. Give my wife a round of applause for doing such a good job. <laughs> now, Debbie, stand up and tell them something about our family. Brag on our grandchildren and children. Go ahead. We're so thankful for Stephen, and our family hit it big with Emily. We hit it big with Emily. I'm just telling you, we hit it big. <laughs> and we got out of California. Say amen right there. I'm telling you, what a blessing. Now, I've never been to a church that has all these fancy desserts in the hallway coming into the auditorium only to distract the people from listening to the message with all of those marvelous-looking desserts out there, but uh, I guess we dive into them after the service is over. But anyway, this morning, this morning, I want to talk to you on a subject from Numbers chapter 13. If you have your Bible, get your Bible open and keep it open, please. In Numbers chapter 13, Israel was on the verge of the promised land. They had sent out 12 spies, prominent men from every tribe, uh, to strategize how to possess the land that God had given them. This was Israel's chance to realize their destiny. This was the opportunity of a lifetime. Numbers chapter 13, verse 17. Numbers 13, verse 17. Find, stand to your feet as you find that, please. Numbers chapter 13, verse 17. Follow along if you would, please. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up this way southward and go into the mountains and see the land and what it is and the people who dwell there, whether they're strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds, and what the land is like, whether it be fat or lean, whether they be wood therein or not, and be of good courage and bring of the fruit of the land. Now this was the time of first ripe grapes. Somebody said life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you respond to what happens to you. Life is 10% of what happens, 90% of how you respond. And here in this passage, we have three uh, responses to opportunity. We have three categories of people. The message this morning, wimps, whiners, and warriors. Wimps, whiners, and warriors. Jesus, have a word in season for every heart. We praise you with anticipation in Christ's name. All God's people say it. You can be seated. Now, I want you to notice, first of all, the wimp response, W-I-M-P, the wimp response. Notice Numbers 13, verse 27. Numbers 13, verse 27. And they told him and said, we came into the land where you sent us, and surely it flows with milk and honey, and here's the fruit. Nevertheless, the people that dwell in the land and the are strong, and the cities are walled and very great. And there we saw the children of Anak. The Amalekites, Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites, all these people, Canaanites. Notice in verse 31, But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it, it's a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people we saw are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants. Notice the word giants, the sons of Anak. 
which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so were we in their sight. What you see determines what you do. What you see determines what you pursue. The warriors saw a land flowing with milk and honeys. The Bible says they brought home this cluster of grapes. The thing was so massive. They had two guys with a stick on their shoulders, the cluster of grapes in the middle. Somebody said the grapes were so big, if you took the pulp out, you could use the skins for a shower cap. That's, that's better than Kroger's, amen? That's better than Fresh Market, I'm just telling you. And they saw a land flowing with milk and honey, but the winers saw better days back in Egypt. But the wimps, they saw giants, problems, walled cities. They saw Jebusites, Anasites, Anasites. I'm really tired from the prayer advance, amen? And they saw all of this kind of stuff. And they saw these sons of Anak, these giants, and they were scared to death of the giants. F.B. Meyer said, faith makes giants look like grasshoppers. Faith makes giants look like grasshoppers, but unbelief makes grasshoppers look like giants. They had divine promises. They had seen divine performances. They had the divine present, yet the wimp, wimp element in Israel, they were afraid. You need to be afraid of your fears because fear is a prelude to failure. Now, the Israelite wimps looked at their own weakness. Now, they had 600,000 soldiers, 600,000 soldiers, but they saw themselves as grasshoppers. You know, we're living in a day when we sing that song, no longer slaves to fear. How many are excited about that? Amen. <laughs> we, we got the fear. We got the fear of man. Tremendous fear of man. Everybody worried about what people are thinking about them. Let me relieve you. If you knew how little, if you knew how seldom anybody ever thought about you, you wouldn't be worried about what people think about you. Because nobody's sitting around thinking about you. You're the only person that thinks about you all the time, all right? So we got the fear of man. We got the fear of the future. Fear of the future. I, I mean, our country is unraveling. There's no other way to put it. I, I mean, I mean, we're living in a time. We're living in a time where we've redefined everything. Uh, we've redefined marriage, redefined everything. People don't even know whether men or women. We got dudes wearing dresses who've been neutered in, in charge of the health department of our country. I'm just here to tell you, right is right, wrong is wrong. God created a man and female, and that's all there is to it. Give me a witness in the house of God. We need to quit backing up on some of this. So back to the message here. Uh, we got the fear, fear of the future. We got fear of change. Fear of change. Well, things are changing. What's going to happen? The stock market's going to pot. Yeah, well, so what? I, I mean, we got the fear of change. And I want to tell you something. Uh, the Israelites were scared to death. And the majority would choose to die in the wilderness rather than go forward. And the strategy of the devil is to take the fight right out of you. So here we have the wimp response. Now, when you fail to reach out for more, you're going to end up with less. When you stop growing, you start going backward. And one danger of growing older is you quit growing. I said one danger of growing older is you quit growing. And when you quit growing, all we do is rehash the same old, same old. If, look, if our souls are not expanding, they're shriveling. And if we're not hungry for more, we're going to end up with less. And if you don't reach out for more and you live in fear, you'll stay exactly where you are. Now, Israel chose to stay put rather than move forward. They were afraid of change. The average church in our country has 68 people on Sunday morning. 
And one reason that the churches in our country are in decline, there's many reasons, but here's one, is because uh, they're declining because of a lack of spiritual hunger. A lack of spiritual hunger. Get in those life groups, man. Get in there and share your life. Share your heart. You'll find out you're not the only one that has problems. Get in there. Listen, the fear of change makes people scared to learn new truths. But you know what? We need some fresh wind, we need some fresh fire, and we need a fresh touch from God. We had better stop following the traditions of men because nobody has learned enough about Jesus. We're living in a time where we got man-centered movements, man-ethnic-centered. We got uh, method-centered, institutional-centered, ethnic-centered, culture-centered. What about God-centered? You know what a learner is? You know what a learner is? A learner is someone who has willing to unlearn what he never should have learned in order to learn what he should have learned in the first place. And before we can learn anything new, we're probably going to have to unlearn some things we shouldn't have learned. And the Israelites had learned to be afraid. Listen to this quote. He who loses wealth loses much. He who loses a friend loses more. But he who loses courage loses all. All, my dear people, courage is confidence in the character of God in seasons of distress. Everybody I know that's walking with God is having difficulty. I mean, there's opposition all around us, but courage is confidence in the character of God in seasons of distress. The Israelites were terrified by the giants, and we all have giants, don't we? Have you identified the giants you're facing? Oh, giants of unbelief. Giants of of, uh, selfishness. Giants of carnality. Giants of discouragement. Giants of besetting sins. Giants of anxiety. Giants of grief. Hey, what's the response to the giants you're facing? Well, here's the wimp response. Number two, notice the whiner response. That's spelled W-H. I-N-E-R, the whiner response. Now look in uh, Numbers 14, verse 1. Numbers 14, verse 1. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured, say that word out loud, murmured against Moses and against Aaron, against uh, Aaron, that's not your pastor, and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, Would God we had died in the land of Egypt. Or would God we had died in this wilderness? You know what they're doing? Prophesying their own demise. Prophesying their words, their words. Prophesying their own demise. Wherefore the Lord hath brought us into this land to fall by the sword, so that our wives and children should be a prey. Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, let us make a captain and return into Egypt. Can you believe this? Murmuring against Moses, blaming him, just complaining and murmuring and and griping. And all they could see were difficulties, the whiners. They had all this pent-up hostility. They were blinded by their unbelief. And this criticism of Moses was unreasonable and unjust. And instead of ascribing fault to the ten faithless spies, instead of ascribing fault to the unbelief in their own hearts, what did they do? They attacked Moses which was totally, really, an attack on God. Listen to me. 
You cannot learn from people that you don't respect. You cannot learn from people that you don't honor. And they had no honor, no respect for the God's chosen leader, Moses. You can benefit from people that you don't honor. And God had told them the land was excellent. God promised to guide them. He had promised to drive out the heathen nations. And he had commanded them to go up and possess it. But you know what happened? The Israelites, instead of listening to God, they listened to the whiners and they murmured, these spies, and you know what murmuring is? Murmuring is complaining to people who can't do anything about it. Give me a Facebook amen right there. I said murmuring is complaining to people who can't do anything about it. So what did they do? They listened to these 10 faithless cowards, these spies, instead of the two brave believers. And you know the consequences of listening to an evil report? They were disheartened, discouraged, distressed. Man, they were up all night, couldn't sleep. They lifted up their voice and they cried, they wept. You know, listening to the wrong people always results in disaster. I said listening to the wrong people always results in disaster. And listening to slander will incite, incite you to slander as well. You know when you get an evil report that's unsubstantiated? If you're, not, if you're like me, if you're not careful... It will affect your thinking toward those people. And it can even affect what you say about those people. And after hearing the, the, this evil report by these ten spies, they were ready to uh, have mutiny on the, uh, in the wilderness and get rid of Moses and get a new leader and march back into slavery. So warped was their perspective. They preferred bondage instead of going forward into the land of promise that God had given them. Ten faithless spies halted the progress of the nation for 38 years. You know, courage is faith in action. Say that out loud. Courage is faith in action. Cowardice is faith in, de in defeat. The book of Jude talks about murmurers, murmurers and complainers walking in their own lust. I was in high school and... Back in those days, we had the FFA. How many know what the FFA stands for? What does it stand for? Yeah, well, I got in a church and found out they had a chapter of FFA, the future Pharisees of America. I got in that church. <laughs> these complainers and analyzers and gripers and all of this kind of stuff going on, uh, criticizing, critiquing, even, even in the Gospels. Remember when that woman anointed Jesus with that precious ointment and people complained about it? Remember this? Can you believe this? Now, every church, every movement has resident critics. And what do they do? Criticize the message, criticize the messenger, and which is really criticizing the maker, uh, because God said they provoked him in the wilderness. All of this whining and complaining and murmuring, it, it was an attack on the character of God. Let me just tell you something. Criticism is the death rattle of a non-achiever. Criticism is the death gargle of a non-achiever. Have you ever noticed that the people that gripe all the time never make a contribution to the cause? Have you noticed this? All the time picking apart all the stuff like this. Bill McLeod at our prayer advance one year said that judging and criticizing is the favorite indoor sport of Christians. 
<laughs> judging and criticizing the favorite indoor sport of Christians. But the Bible says, speak not evil one of another. Now, great men talk about ideas. Great men talk about ideas. Small men talk about people. The Bible says in James 3, if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, hmm, glory not and lie not against the truth. This kind of wisdom doesn't come from above, but comes from beneath. It's earthly, sensual, and demonic, and where there's confusion and strife, there's uh, confusion in every evil work. Oh, brethren, listen. A perennial, critical spirit is not a sign of discernment. According to James, it's a sign of the demonic. This, 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 this judging. Speak not evil one of another. Mindless, thoughtless, careless, critical, derogatory speech. How many know what a dirt devil is? No, 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 no. Not the one down at Lowe's. No, no. A dirt devil is a religious individual who can siphon up dirt on the best of the saints. No matter who they are, they can just suck up all this stuff. Now listen, in Genesis, the Bible tells us that Satan slandered God. The word devil comes from diabolos, which means slanderer. That's his name. In, 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 in Genesis... He slandered God to Adam and Eve, hath God said. He distorted the words of God, defamed the character of God. He slandered the integrity of God, and he attacked the motives of God. He's a slanderer. But in the book of Job, what did he do? He slandered man to God. Remember what he said to the Lord as he came into the presence of God? Remember what he said? He said, you take away the hedge from this man after God had bragged on Job. Take away the hedge and he'll curse you to your face. In other words, remove the blessing. He prejudged uh, Adam's motives. He, he's, he's only serving you for what you can get. Satan is a slanderer. Now, my brother and my sister, is it not easy? Is it not easy to catalog the faults of others? Is it not easy to look for the blemishes, imperfections, and defects? You know what I discovered? The only thing consistent about me is my inconsistency. That's the only thing that's consistent. Is it not easy to compare? Is it not easy to criticize? Is it not easy to repeat things we don't know to be the truth? Oh, listen to this. Slander is a straw that siphons the dregs of depravity from the bottom of the human heart. The tongue is never satisfied. It must be crucified. And every day, brother, we better apply the death work of Calvary to our little member, which gets us in all kinds of trouble. That's a little member. You know, J. Harold Smith said the tongue is so hot that God had to put it in a wet solution, saliva, because if he didn't, it would burn our heads off. And I'm just, I'm just here to tell you, friend, that this, this, this thing of criticizing, this thing of whining, and wimping. But we got to get to the third point, which I know you're waiting for, the warriors. Here's the positive part. Look at this. Uh, chapter 13, verse 30. One more, another verse. Chapter 13, verse 30. Look at this. And Caleb still the people before Moses. He just got them all calmed down. And here's what he said. Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able. Say well able. Well able to overcome it. Wow. The warriors. Now, the wimps saw the giants. Winers saw the garlics and leeks back in Egypt. 
But the warriors saw the goodness of God in the land of promise. Listen to me. Whiners focus on what they're going through. Warriors focus on what they're going to. And old Caleb, he was 85 years old. What kind of supplements was he on? Because his, uh, his strength never abated. I mean, he was like, oh, Hercules, man. He's like a young man, 85 years old. He's all fired up. You know what he did? He detached himself from the naysayers. He detached himself from the fear mongers and the unbelievers. And my dear person this morning, listen to me. Don't you let a setback cause you to draw back. Don't let a setback cause you to draw back, but rather let it be a setup for greater things to come. Now, the woke, the, the wimps, they focus on what is. They're looking around. They're looking around at the corrupt. They're looking around. The whiners focus on what was. They're looking back. I go to churches where they're, they're hoping that Mayberry RFD will come back to the United States. I got an announcement. Aunt B is dead. Barney, Otis died of cirrhosis of the liver. I, I mean, Barney passed on, and, and even Andy is gone. Mayberry RAD, RFD, it ain't coming back. We're living in a different culture. We better, we better face that. But the whiners look back, and they want a replication. But the warriors focus on what can be. They're looking ahead. They ain't looking around. They ain't looking back, but they're looking ahead. And we've got to stop looking at the way things are. We've got to start looking at the way things can be. Now, let me give you three characteristics of a warrior. Three characteristics that Caleb had that very few of his brethren had. He had three things that other people lacked. Number one, Caleb had faith. He had faith. Listen to what he said. We're well able to overcome it. How many think it's time for a little well-able thinking in Baptist churches? Say amen right there somewhere. A little well-able thinking. You know what faith is? It's confidence in God. Faith is confidence in God. Unbelief is confidence in something other than God. The wimps were preoccupied with fear. Whiners preoccupied with fussing. All but the warriors were preoccupied with faith. And faith is deliberate confidence in the character of God in seasons of distress. Frank Retan said, faith is the conviction that God does not tell lies. Faith is the conviction that God does not tell lies. Alan Redpath said, let us keep our chins up and our knees down. We're on the victory side. You say, what is faith? Faith is man's weakness leaning on God's strength. Got man's weakness leaning on God's strength. I mean, we're all weak, but he's always strong. And whatever is not a faith is sin. Non-expectancy is sin. Praying without faith is, say it out loud. Coming to church without faith is. Reading the Bible without faith is. It's just sin. Non-expectancy is sin. You know what God's greatest pleasure is? I believe God's greatest pleasure is to be believed. His greatest pleasure is to be believed. His greatest grief is to be doubted. And I'm just here to tell you, old Caleb, man, he might have been an old-timer, but he had a young heart. And I'll t- I'll t- I'll t- listen, listen, listen to me. Your dreams should always be larger than your memories. Your dreams should always be larger than your memories. And I want to tell you something, old Caleb, he was a dreamer, man. Not, like, not the American variety. He was, he, was, he was a dreamer in God's, God's economy. He believed for better things. And it says, I got one more verse. Numbers 14, verse 24. Look at this. Numbers chapter 14, 
verse 24. Look at this. Here's what God said. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, he had a different spirit with him. He's followed me fully. Him will I bring into the land wherein do he went, and his seed shall possess the land. Caleb had a different spirit on him. He was unique. I'm telling you, this guy was bursting with faith. And God said he had, he had followed him fully. He had unwavering fidelity. He had a different outlook. He was a man of vision, a man of passion. But I want to say this. D.L. Moody said, if God is your partner, make your plans big. If God is your partner, make your plans big. Now, I understand that you all have some, some land out um, on, what's that road over yonder? One, yeah. How uh, many know that this is kind of like the wilderness over here? You know what I'm saying? I mean, you really got to try to get here, amen? But, 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 but y'all got a vision <laughs> to expand, to reach out. And listen, listen, faith is the victory. And old Caleb, he was just bursting with faith. And believing you actually possess what you ask for in prayer is not presumption. The Bible calls it faith. And old Caleb, he had faith. Number two, listen to this. Uh, Caleb also had the fire. I said, fire. You know what he said? He said to that crowd, let us go up at once. He didn't say, now let's form a committee here in uh, Israel and study this for the next 25 years. And uh, No, he said, let us go up at once. Two symbols for, for the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. Two symbols, a fire and wind. Two symbols for the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, fire and wind. Remember on the Emmaus Road, disciples moping along, depressed. You know, they thought Jesus was going to restore the kingdom to Israel. They were looking for a political solution. Does that sound familiar to anybody in the United States? And uh, they were hoping he was going to return the kingdom to Israel. And, and what happens? The Savior got crucified. All of their dreams had gone up in smoke. They misread the whole thing. And here they are on the Emmaus Road. Uh, walking along, depressed, and they got this cloud hovering over them like Charlie Brown. And here they are walking along, and Jesus comes up beside of them, incognito. And he said, um, uh, boys, why are you all so sad? They said, had you heard what happened? And they begin to rehearse the whole sorry spectacle, how they had hoped that the kingdom was going to be revived, and, and the, the Messiah had gotten crucified. And he told the whole thing, and after they shut up, Jesus started talking. You know, sometimes if we'd shut up, Jesus would start talking. Amen? And oh, Jesus began to rehearse to them the things concerning himself from the Scriptures. Now, here's a sermon I'd like to have heard. Jesus preaching on Jesus from Genesis to Malachi. Can you imagine? He began to expound the things concerning himself from the Scriptures. And they finally got to where they were going. And, uh, and, and their eyes were open. And they recognized... This thing was true after all. And, and he disappeared out of their sight. And what did they say? They said, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us, by the way? Did not our hearts burn? You know what we all need here this morning? A little holy heart burn. Say amen right there. Hearts burning what with a flame for God, a fire for God, something percolating in the inside. I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of defeatism. I'm sick and tired of fatalism. I'm sick and tired of just moping around and just, you know, just, just analyzing everything and listening to talk radio. You better cut off that Fox News, brother, and open up the Word of God and get you a little faith and a little fire. I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you. 
You know what fire does? It warms. Thank God for a burning heart. It, 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 it consumes, it lightens, it purifies, and it animates. And you know where there's holy fire? There's some sanctified ambition. I said sanctified ambition. There's some holy longings. There's some initiative. There's some animation. And old, old Caleb, 85 years old, buddy, he didn't act like it. He might have looked like it, but he didn't act like it. He had faith and he had fire. Let us go up at once. But the third thing Caleb had, listen to this one, he had fortitude. Fortitude, listen to this. Let us go up at once and take it. Let's go get it. It's already ours. Let's go possess it. Oh, Caleb was ready for a fight. You gotta like this guy. You know, Caleb's body was in the wilderness, but his heart was in the promised land. He never lost hope. He had those promises. And somebody said the Israelites were like a cage of canaries. A lot of activity, but no progress. Just going around in circles for 40 years and just, just putting in time. Well, yeah, this is the last days. Not much is going to happen. Don't expect a whole lot. You know, all this kind of talk. Forget all of this kind of thing. He had fortitude, fortitude. Now, they were, there was a lot going on in Israel, but they were going nowhere in circles. I took my wife on a couple of cruises, and I wish... COVID would go away so we could take another one, but we went on the Oasis of the Seas, the biggest cruise ship in the world. Yeah. Level five, walked 2.4 times around it. You walked a mile. That's how big that ship is. And on that boat, they had a merry-go-round and the promenade. A real one. Yeah. Big old thing. They had the, had the Church of God pipe organ going in the back. How many know what I'm talking about? That thing going in the back, you know. And, uh, and, and the kids would get on these... Uh, these horses and unicorns and whatever else was on that thing. And, and they'd get on and, you know, they'd just ride around in circles. And every time they'd come around and see their parents out there, they'd be waving like they hadn't seen them in a hundred years, you know, like, like, and then they'd go around again and just go around in a circle, going nowhere. And every time they'd come around and see their parents, they'd be waving, you know, like they were making progress. I don't know about you, but I don't want to go around in circles no more. What about you? I'd like to make a little progress by the grace of God, wouldn't you? And no matter how young or how old you are, wouldn't you like to see some things happen for the glory of God that you ain't never seen in your entire lifetime? That's the way old Caleb was, buddy. Man, he was, he was full of fire like that guy, man. He was just great. He must have been on, uh, um, what do you call that, barley green or something like that. But anyhow, uh, he was swimming upstream. Now listen, a dead fish can float with the current. It takes a live one to swim against it. <laughs> Fortitude. My brother, my sister, it's a sin not to live up to our privileges in Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you something. The cities were great, but God was greater. The walls were high, but God was higher. The giants were big, but God was bigger. And old Caleb, buddy, he was just, he was, he was what a guy. He, he, there's never been a wall too high for God, never been a city uh, too a great for God, and never been a giant too strong for God. Now listen to me. The Bible says we're to exhort one another. How often? Daily. 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 Listen to this. Lest any of you become hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. I'm telling you the way is hard. But listen, God's greater. Today if you will hear His voice, don't you harden your heart. As in the 
provocation in the wilderness. God was grieved with them. Their bodies fell in the wilderness and they couldn't enter in because of unbelief. Here's the bottom line. The wimps died in the wilderness. They never got out. The whiners died in the wilderness. They never got out. Listen to me. You can choose your destination. Promised land dead ahead or monkey around in the wilderness for the rest of your earthly days. And the Bible says, take heed, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Faith is the only pathway into the land of promise. And God's got so much for us. Life is 10% of what happens to us and 90% of how we respond to what happens to us. This week I have a friend, his sister just died, leaving I think four or five children. Just this week, every day, we, you know, you hear it all the time, but I really hear it all the time. And, and just, you know, death and tragedy and lifestyle choices and addictions and problems. And great, oh, listen, listen, we're living in a fallen world, but we can live above the world by the grace of God. If we'll implement what Caleb had, he had faith. He wasn't just sitting around moping around speculating on who the Antichrist was and and worrying about the next election. Now, now he, wasn't, he wasn't into that. Everybody else was into that. Let's get a new leader, man. Let's, let's, let's do. You better put your hope a little higher than an earthly plane. Say amen right there. <coughs> I go to churches more interested in, in uh, election results than intercession. And listen to me. Listen to me. Our kingdom is not of this world. I thank God for my country. And I thank God we have a heritage of of, of good things. It isn't perfect, but it's better than anything else that's ever been. I thank God for all of that. But let me tell you something, friend. I'm not an American first. I'm a child of God first. I'm a kingdom citizen first. And the kingdom of God is where it's at. Uh, Earthly kingdoms come and go, but the kingdom of God is forever. And brother, we better get our eyes fixed on something eternal above what's down here. Do you believe what I'm telling you right here? I'm telling you, brother, some faith. How about a little faith? Let's believe God. Man, we, I've been in two youth meetings here in the last two weeks where God moved on the hearts of young people. Don't talk to me about how it's all over. Don't talk to me about this stuff. I got in one that started at 7 and went till 10:15. Wave after 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 wave of unsolicited response, prayer, brokenness, salvation, testimony. Praise God, I'm just telling you, young people have often been the genesis of reviving movements. You check it out. I was just in Ireland, 1859 revival. Uh, Four young men uh, took a challenge from their pastor to go all out for God. They began to meet in a schoolhouse in Kells. I have a picture on my website uh, or on our Facebook thing. And, and, And they began to pray. And you know what happened? God poured out His Spirit in Northern Ireland. These are British people. I'm telling you, if God can revive British people, He can revive American people. Say amen right there. Hundreds of thousands came to the Lord. Incredible, incredible, incredible faith. Let's believe God. I know things are dark. I know things. Who cares? Our kingdom ain't in this world no how. Giants? Yeah. Every which way you want to look. Problems? Yeah. (laughs) Difficult? Yeah. So what? God's greater than all of that kind of stuff. Now listen, three responses to the challenges of life. The wimp response, whiner response, or the warrior response. (laughs) Wimps and whiners all perished in the wilderness. But Caleb and Joshua were two that made it into the promised land. I don't know about you, but whatever's left 
of earthly life, I'd like for the holy flame of God to reside in my heart, wouldn't you? Don't you want to feel something, brother? I'm being tasted the powers of another world. I'm just telling you, brother, we can live in the reality of the privileges that God has given us in Christ. So it's time to man up. It's time to woman up. It's time to teenager up. Uh, to cast our fears on God. Face the giants. Yeah, go ahead and face them. And get a different spirit, like old Caleb, to regain our proper perspective and quit complaining and dare to believe God. Get battle ready. Suit up in the armor of God. And I believe we could pray with confidence and confidence here this morning that God, we could pray in faith for the, for the fire of God to burn in our souls, our homes, and our church, and for the fortitude to see it through uh, to the end of our earthly course. God, give us the fire. <clears throat> God, give us the faith. Amen. <laughs> exercise the faith. You already got it. Just go ahead and exercise it. And the fortitude to face up to whatever the stuff that comes our way. Brother, sister, no more whining. No more wimping. Let's suit up and become warriors for Almighty God. Amen. Stand to your feet if you would. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for this wonderful passage, Lord. Wow, encouraging. Lord, to where the majority were heading the wrong direction, old Caleb, he stuck it right out to the very end. Now, Father, I pray for us and our generation that we would be like him. And, Father, in faith, we pray for the fire of God in our hearts and, Lord, for the fortitude, Lord, to stand for truth, to stand for you, and to take our position by faith as kingdom citizens on planet Earth. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. How many here this morning would say, Brother Harold, God talked to my heart this morning. I needed this, and I want to, I want to be a warrior. I don't want to be a whiner. I don't, I don't, want, to be a, I don't want to be a wimp. Man, I, I really need, I need a touch of God. Here this morning, I'm, I just, I'm asking God this morning to give me the fire and the fortitude. I'm going through some stuff, but Brother Harold, I just need a touch, and I needed this, and God spoke to me. Slip your hand up this morning if God talked to your heart all over the auditorium. Most of us, most of us. Now, you just correspond with the Lord for a moment. You just talk to God about it right there in your seat, in your heart. Just talk to the Lord and ask God, ask God to restore, to restore or whatever's been lost, whatever, 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 whatever's been taken away. Ask God to restore your spirit like Caleb, to have a different spirit, a, a, a spirit of faith, of fire and fortitude. Just talk to the Lord for a few moments this morning and ask God to do that for you. Now ask God to do that for people beside you, people in front of you, people behind you. Ask God to restore them, help them, energize them. Ask God to do that for your family. Maybe some have wandered away. Ask God, oh, just cry out to God. Cry out in faith, believing God to restore, to renew, to cleanse, to fill Now ask the Lord to refresh, 
Pastor Aaron and Jessica, while they're away on sabbatical, ask God to just uh, to just give them center rest, uh, to, to refresh them, to refocus them. Ask God just to help them. I want to commend you for uh, sending them on this uh, getaway, this sabbatical. Just pray for them right now. Oh, God, uh, touch them, Lord. Lord, just, just give them fresh vision and passion and energy and rest. Just, just pray for your pastor. 